Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 142. John and Wendy talk to Ann Fulton. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. It is a podcast. It is. You've got you've got <laughs> podcast news of your own. I do. Uh, so following in your footsteps, uh, I am about to launch an internal podcast at my work as well. Yeah, how you know, this is kind of cool. I have to give a shout out to uh, one of my coworkers, Patrick. He listens to our show. So hello, Patrick. He mentioned to me once uh, when I was walking by at, at, in the office that he had been listening to our show and wouldn't it be great if we had something internal and, um, and you know, we've talked about it and I, it's been floating in the back of my mind. And so kind of kickstarted me to putting forth a proposal. I presented that idea to uh, several times <laughs> throughout our leadership ladders, culminating um, last week with our executive team that I presented in front of went over very well. So we should be launching internal episodes starting um, in December. Awesome. Congratulations. It's very, very cool. I think it is now safe to say, at least in the groups and the circles we run Mm -hmm. in, I think we can say that we're the only hosts that host not only a show like this, (laughs) but an internal corporate Mm -hmm. podcast as well at, at both of us, which is Tremendous, and it's. I will. I will. I look forward to hearing about how it goes for you. Yeah. The internal show I'm doing. It's been a real learning experience because it certainly shifted and changed in ways that I didn't necessarily expect. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, but I think it changes. Yeah, it changes, and I think we're looking at in 2021 how can we expand and and what makes the most sense. The you know topic wise, mm-hmm. theme wise, and looking more. And you and I talked a little bit about maybe looking more at safety and and yeah. doing some more bigger. HR stuff, which I think is exciting. It will be different and it will continue to grow and morph. Look forward to like bouncing ideas off of each other on what are, you know, what are you sharing? What are we sharing? Eventually what I'm really hoping is that it morphs into job previews that we're sharing externally where we're interviewing staff and putting a real job preview into the posting so that people understand what you're doing when you come into this role. So lots of different ways that we're looking to go with this and grow with this. We're becoming podcasters for life here, John. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited for you. And I will certainly throw it out to those in the audience. If you are looking for some feedback when it comes to pitching corporate shows, certainly contact us. We are happy to talk about those ideas now that we're both doing them. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to sharing and learning more as well along the way. So this is another live to tape across the ocean kind of thing. Our guest is in New Zealand, which is super cool. So we can add another pin to the map, Wendy. I'm excited about that. I'm excited too. (laughs) I will let you make the introduction for Anne and let's get started. Yes. Super excited to welcome Anne Fulton to the show tonight. She is a talent futurist working with some of the world's leading organizations and brands like Verizon, HPE, Coca-Cola, and CVS, and many more who are innovating on the employee career experience. She is the author of The Career Engagement Game, A Blueprint for Workforce Agility, Organizational Psychologist, and the CEO of Fuel50. Josh Burson, Global HR Industry Analyst, describes Fuel50 as the leader in its thinking, conceptualization, and the execution of the talent marketplace. Welcome, Anne. We are so excited to have you on the HR Social Hour, and we start every show the same way. What is in your glass today? 
So I have to confess, it's middle of the day here for me and I've got a red bull. <laughs> My last call starts at 10.30 tonight. I'm planning ahead. We talk about vodka, vodka red bull as being like sustainable performance, right? You know, a little bit of mellow out and a little bit of uppers. <laughs> well, if you're trying to keep up with HR tech at the same time, I, I yeah, I, I can't imagine the, the weird hours you're handling right now. <laughs> and yeah we're, all, yeah, we're all missing being in Vegas, right? And who would have thought we would have yeah. ever said that? <laughs> Well, Ann, talk to us a little about how exactly did you get your start when it comes to HR technology in the startup world? I love our little startup story. And I've been building psychometric assessments for most of my career since I was like 23. Uh, but it kept me up at night because it's like, this is not my purpose, putting a ticker across next to somebody around their fit. And my true passion's always been around helping or wanting people to help with the career matching and creating a great future and being at their best at work. So we reversed all the in, all the science and the engineering in those psychometric assessments and you know really the the um start to fuel 50 was helping people find their future match in terms of career opportunities i think everyone wants to answer that question you know what can i be when i grow up um and you know with technology today we're really truly able to answer that what's the best use of your talent and potential you know what's the right fit for you just because five other people you know with your job title went in one direction doesn't mean that that's right for you and so it's it's lots of fun being able to you know deliver answers to those big questions for individuals but within an organization, helping people see where they can go and what their future is and, and how to navigate those opportunities. And today, you know, this is metamorphosed into, you know, what is a true talent marketplace where there's transparency around opportunities for everyone in the organization. You know, not just the high talent or those on the accelerate programs, but everyone gets visibility to opportunities, whether it's a stretch assignment or a gig or an experience or a job or a vacancy or a career pathway. You know, our passion is really that everyone, you know, has a future and everyone can use more of their talent and potential at work. And so we help them find that way with, you know, give you a little match score. If you fancy being CEO, might be match score of 15% today. But, you know, here's, here's, your, you know, here's how you can become, here's how, you, you know, you, here's your first learning asset to take you on that journey and, and creating that roadmap. So, yeah, it's really fun. We love what we do and the difference it's making. I, I like that. You know, I think that's one of the areas that people or organizations have struggled with is how do you get that person to help them find that path to get to where they want to go? Or, you know, I've heard people say, well, I just, you know, I created the job I have. I'm like, oh, well, not everyone can do that. So how do we help people find their bliss? So I love that you guys are doing that. And I know you've done this for a variety of industries and, you know, you, you've helped people with their tech in addition to what you're doing now. And I think that's an area that a lot of HR folks struggle with. We know we want something shiny and new, but mm. once we get somebody coming in, what are some of the things that you wish organizations and HR practitioners knew prior to investing in that new tech and saying, you know, they're like, Oh, fuel 50. That's so cool. I want to do that. What should I do before I make that call to you or to prepare for you guys coming in? The first thing I would say is really, you know, understanding what your people want. You know, what's the charter? What are the gaps? You know, I mean, so really, truly listening to your employees around what they want 
for their um, career experience and their employee experience and what the gaps are. And I think that is always a wonderful starting point for a conversation with us. And you don't necessarily have to have built out your charter for the employee experience or the people experience or the talent experience in your organization. But I think really starting with that listening to your people and asking a few questions, you know, if there's one thing that this organization could do for your career and your talent and your potential, what would that be? And so asking, you know, those kind of questions of your people, whether it's through an employee voice survey or an engagement survey or exit survey data, all of those things give you wonderful touch points, but also just those conversations. You know, what could we be doing better around your career experience at you know, this organisation? And I think that's probably the most important place to start. Maybe people want more conversations with their managers, right? <laughs> Maybe they want their managers to be better at those conversations. <laughs> I think that's an area that we do struggle with is how, you know, asking our employees, what do they want? What do they need from us? And then actually listening to them. One of our wonderful clients, Laura Peterson at RTI, and we're involved in supporting their mentoring program. What she says beautifully is, is, you know, meet your people where they're at, right? You know, don't expect your leaders to be ready for this for day one or, you know, your employees to be ready to think about owning their future and, and reskilling for the future. So, you know, figuring out where they're at, which comes back to the same thing, right? Listen first and figure out where they're at and how do we meet them where they're at, but also take them on this journey. And I think, you know, we kind of have said that, Career development or career growth when it's done at its best should be about profitable growth, both for the employee and for the business, right? It's got to create a win-win. It's got to be good for both parties. And when new customers are talking to you or potential customers, particularly from an HR perspective, what are the big issues, the big rocks that they are trying to fix? And let's talk a bit more about how Fuel 50 helps address those issues. So we've talked about in the high level, you've been doing this for a long time. We've talked about as you're looking and kicking the tires on new tech, how to make sure you're asking questions and getting the right information. Now let's talk more about you and Fuel50 in particular. What are people coming to try to get fixed when they come to you? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we could put labels on it, you know, like retention and internal talent mobility and engagement. But I think what organizations are fixing today is opportunity transparency, right? So that there's visibility in a really simple, easy way to, you know, support, you know, a self-driven approach to, you know, to opportunity creation for people across the business. And I think the other big thing that is a real imperative at the moment is workforce reskilling. So if we can have everyone across the organization taking some reskilling actions and, and taking on more learning and finding a mentor on a particular skill gap that they may have, So kind of creating those connections so that the organization is ready, armed and able and ready for the future and We've got good kind of evidence of that happening with one of the pharma companies that we've worked with that uh, was the first company to come up with a COVID-19 test. They had done a million gig hours last year. You know, so this is experiences that employees are taken that identified 375,000 reskilling actions that were taken across the organization. So that organization was ready, right? Ready, armed and able to respond to this crazy global crisis that we have today. So I think being able to kind of reskill your organization at scale and where people are driving it, right? They don't have to go to HR to ask for permission to attend a course or put in a, you know, business case to attend, you know, some expensive learning. It's it's everyone taking these micro learning moments across the organization, connecting to a learning asset, whether it's online or a mentor or a coaching moment or joining a, a learning group. 
or putting their hand up for a stretch assignment that's going to give them those skills. So when you get that happening across an entire organization at scale, it's so self-sustaining and sustainable for the business, right? So cost effective to have everyone driving their own learning, connected to that learning and, you know, delivering a kind of workforce readiness for these challenges that are coming at us. Are you seeing more requests or need, particularly in this COVID world that we're in, a lot of people are retreating and maybe not trying new things or or talking to new vendors or what have you. Are you seeing that need of, oh my gosh, we want to be like that pharma company that has figured out a way to reskill people. We got to have that right now. Are you seeing more of that than people retreating? Yeah, there's huge demand right now for the talent marketplace and that's surging, you know, for a number of reasons. So the other part of that farm story is that they also were using our gigs for rapid redeployment of project teams so that they were resourcing project teams. There's quite a big shift at the moment towards, you know, looking at your internal talent supply first. So rather than looking externally, we've got a responsibility, right, to to utilize the talent that we have within the organization rather than looking externally. So the talent marketplace is contributing to that. The other part of the equation that's been, you know, trending now and rightly so is um, a huge imperative around, you know, D&I, D-E-N-I-B, whatever we're going to call it today. But we need to make sure that more than ever, every people decision that we make is above reproach, right? That it's based on fairness and transparency and inclusivity. So having robust information on which to make um, talent or people decisions is more important than ever before. Big um, swings towards this internal talent marketplace that's based on really robust ethical AI we talk about. You know, we've got embedded um, diversity and inclusiveness principles into our skills frameworks and our architectures that our clients are leveraging. So across every touch point across the organisation, that we're talking about inclusive leadership and some of you know cultural um, competence as being core capabilities that are needed for the future of that organization. So you know embedding some of these things into your organization right now is kind of more important than ever. But getting it right for your people, right? Doing it better <laughs> is um, certainly trending right now. So Anne, recently you and Fuel Fifty sponsored an HR Social Hour Twitter chat, which. We had such a great time with that conversation. It was so much fun. But I think it was new for you guys. Tell us about the experience and what you learned. Yeah, it was so much fun being involved and, you know, spending a Sunday afternoon in a learning moment that can be delivered via Twitter. You know, it's like, oh, wow, this is great that we're having these conversations. We're all sharing a drink, as is known for, you know, as the way to do things for you guys, but also having these kind of quite um, in-depth and robust and challenging conversation via Twitter. But also there was, you know, what I was surprised at, there was also laughter, right? Bit of banter going on, but there was also a lot of learning moments. So I thought it was a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon for sure. Well, we obviously enjoy it. I think what you've, you kind of hit it that, you know, people don't expect that you can have those learning moments on Twitter and make yeah. those connections. Yeah, it was great to have you guys uh, as a part of that. (laughs) Yeah, my key learning was possibly to get more of my team involved. Those of us that did attend, we all kind of walked away with some, you know, real learning um, opportunities from our um, wider HR community. And there were so many kind of influencers and analysts on there with their thought-provoking challenges, as well as, you know, HR practitioners that were trying to problem-solve these things in the real world. So it was a really fun 
fun learning way to add value, I think, you know, as you're heading into another work week. But on a Sunday afternoon, get your head into what's possible and what we might be able to do better. It's great. Well, Anne, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, which is the half hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? It's always interesting because I'm a career coach. And so I was often asking people, you know, what were you doing between the ages of four and 12 when you were given that time to go off and be yourself and your parents told you to go away and it wasn't about going to music practice or, um, (laughs) you know, gymnastics or whatever your parents thought was a good idea for you practicing the violin. It was about that free form play. And and so, you know, it's great to be asked the question myself. I'm guilty of being um, dreaming of being an actress and I was constantly organizing all the neighborhood children for putting on little shows for the neighborhood parents and even <laughs> managed to repurpose one of my mother's um, beautiful red velvet dress into curtains you know that would open on the stage so so, <laughs> so I'm probably still creating these curtain moments for my team right you know showcasing their talents and their skills and and you know, corralling them into a shared vision. So, you know, very fun to reflect back on that. I think the other part to the question is that I took one of these careers tests when I was 14 years old, pencil and paper thing, you had to score it. And it said I should be a funeral director or a vocational guidance counsellor. And that sparked my imagination. So (laughs) because I was like, what's the commonality between a funeral director and a vocational guidance counsellor? So of course, that sparked, you know, what I've done and I, and it's been my life's purpose, really, and my mission to create something better than that pencil and paper test. And <laughs> luckily, technology's caught up with us today. And so we can help people make, you know, these decisions about their future. I've spent my whole working life dreaming of creating um, a career test that helped people make great decisions about their future. So 14 years it started. <laughs> I'm not telling you how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> And who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Yeah, I really love that question. And I think in the last year, because we've all had, you know, great people that have touched our careers over the years. I really enjoyed engaging with Torin Alice recently. He's got a voice around diversity and inclusivity that is really, really important. He had me reading, you know, a piece on um, ethical AI and how we need to cross our own business, look at the people decisions that we're making to make sure that we are supporting that, our, you know, so that our software does nothing but good and does no harm. Um, which is which is a big goal. He's doing really important work. And when we invite him on to um, our little podcast, and it's worth watching, is that he actually had a number of us in tears, you know, with the storytelling. So he's doing really important work and in terms of educating us in HR around how we need to be more inclusive and culturally competent in the, in the way that we approach things in a very, very broad and thoughtful way. So, yeah, he really inspired me. Torin is fantastic. We've had him on the podcast. I've had a chance to chat with him. So, yeah, I would highly agree with that one. And a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? I think I kind of answered this already, but listen as hard as you can. <laughs> you know, we've got to really listen harder. I think no matter where we are in, in our HR career, really, that, that listening to our people is so important, listening to our stakeholders and, you know, before we share information, because I think, you know, we do have an important responsibility to share as well. But I think, yeah, it's got to start with listening. And how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or your community at large? I, I do like 
challenging people's thinking, and I'm probably not doing an awful lot of it on this call today, but I'm currently writing a book on uh, the talent revolution, and I'm having so much fun with that. So I'm really having most fun when I'm able to kind of give back in that way and have an opportunity to share my thoughts in, in a written format. I, I enjoy, you know, having an opportunity to, to share verbally, but I think I'm, I'm having most fun when I'm able to write a blog or, um, you know, share an idea or share thoughts and research insights that um, enable all of us just to do a little bit better around the people experience in organizations. So that's my definition of fun. Do you have a target for when that book will be available? I've just been in quarantine for two weeks and what they call managed isolation here in New Zealand. And that was challenging, right? And so the, the whole talent revolution was a little bit about me, kind of how do I break out of this, you know? I'm under, I'm under police and military observation, <laughs> including managing to get, to get myself arrested. So, um, you know, this, you know, allowing our people to break out and do better and, and organisations to have a bit of a revolution around the way, the way that we um, enable our people, you know, who are we putting the power, you know, where, where's the power going in an organisation? So I come out of quarantine and a week later I'm approached by Forbes around publishing the book. So, I mean, which which was kind of completely coincidental. So I think the universe are kind of conspiring to get the story out there. So um, midway through next year is the deadline. So I need another quarantine to do a bit more writing. <laughs> I'm locked in my room for two weeks. <laughs> that's help. true. What else are you going to do? Well, that's awesome. Be sure to keep us posted on that so we can we can share with the network when that comes It'll out. It'll be fun. Excited, excited to read that. And what is your favorite movie? With my mum, uh, I grew up on Saturday afternoons, you know, as we were doing the ironing between the two of us. Black and white, you know, uh, dance movies, singing and dance movies were, were my favorite. So I think I've got to choose Singing in the Rain as being my all-time favorite. I think it's also kind of like, you know, uh, what's the word, fit for times today. We've got to sing in this rain, right? The world's getting rained on a little bit (laughs) by droplets, right? So we've got to still remember to sing and find those joyful moments around us. How about your favorite musician or band? Again, you know, this is probably inspired by my mum singing and dancing with her siblings to to Louis Armstrong. What a wonderful world's gotta be my favorite song ever. And I don't I just find that you can't beat Louis Armstrong and his joy and his music, right? You know, that trumpet and you know, so so yeah, totally inspired me over the years. How about a favorite TV show? A bit harder. I don't watch a lot of that. I did a bit of watching um dead to me like christina applegate and dead to me she was so funny i probably the only time i turn the tally on is to watch a bit of um bbc news a bit of world news too busy for tv (laughs) (laughs) i expected you to pull something old school out like i love lucy or or (laughs) to go along with singing in the rain and, and louis armstrong yeah, what about the clambits I was talking about them today? <laughs> you know, um, hillbillies. Really <laughs> wow, I haven't thought of that one in a long time. <laughs> you know, they're so renegade. <laughs> if you're not watching Sing in the Rain, you're not listening to Louis Armstrong or watching the news, what else do you like to do outside of quarantine and work? Yeah, you're probably not going to be surprised then with what I'm coming up with next. I, I do love to run, right? So I'm lucky enough to be able to run along the beach in the morning. So that's pretty amazing. I love to laugh and I love to dance and I love music. So if I can find some live music somewhere, you know, I'm really happy on a Sunday afternoon. With friends and a bit of laughter and a bit of music and 
yeah, very guilty. This is quite old school too, but, you know, I love to head to a little blues bar on a Sunday afternoon where people are just jamming and having fun with their music, right? I go home again at 6 p.m., <laughs> my real world, but, you know, it's, it's a little breakout moment in my life, which I really enjoy. Oh, I love it. Finally, Anne, it's Anne Fulton Day all around the world. What are people doing to celebrate? I think my first reaction was, um, that's so not me. <laughs> you know, I kind of wanted to be an actress and be on the stage. You know, I was actually quite happy being behind the scenes. But I think if I was to create an Anne Fulton Day, I fell in love with something that I did in Israel many years ago. And um, it combines so much that I love to do. So we were cycling 100 kilometers a day down the West Bank staying in Bedouin huts. So we, there were learning moments. We were learning from these guides around, you know, life in this offbeat, um, you know, part of the world. But we were also raising money for charity for Oxfam, you know. So being able to combine all of those things into a fun experience, a learning moment, a group moment, and, uh, you know, doing greater good, you know. So I do dream of recreating that in New Zealand um, where people would be able to stay on Marae, you know, which are, you know, run by the Maori people and are so amazing and filled with song and dance and humble food um, and, and, you know, enjoying some of New Zealand's beauty and coastline, raising money for charity and being on your bike for maybe a little bit too long on each day. <laughs> it's got to be hard too. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I design an and for <laughs> a bit of give back, bit of fun, a laugh, a bit of music. There you go. I love it. I think that sounds like an absolutely lovely day. I think you're the first person that's brought up cycling at any kind of length. We've had runners and we've had people talk about being outdoors. I don't think anybody's talked about riding long distances. I think that sounds incredibly fulfilling on many levels. Exactly. We can all ride, you know, and, and there's e-bikes today, which means that everyone can do a bit. But, you know, the challenge of being on your bike for 100 kilometres, even if you're on an e-bike, would still be, you know, it would be a big challenge. So, yeah, <laughs> we want to be opportunity for all, right? It's kind of an end for inclusive, no excuses. <laughs> create some learning, create some laughter, um, create an experience. And we're so appreciative of you and taking time today out of your schedule being part of our chat and sponsoring the chat with Fuel 50 a few weeks ago. We really do appreciate everything you're doing uh, in the community. Most of our listeners are probably connected with you, but if they are not, how do they reach you out there? Social media, the corporate site, however you'd like people to get in touch, how should they do that? Yeah, I think fuel50.com is pretty easy, right, to remember and to find. <laughs> um, look me up on LinkedIn, uh, you know, Anne with an E, Fulton. I shouldn't be too hard to find if you throw the Fuel 50 in there. And I would really love to connect on you on that on, in that forum because, you know, that's where we share, you know, where I like to share, you know, most of the thinking and learning um, around what we can do to be better in our space. So, yeah, I'd love to connect with, with uh, a broader group of people. We will have all that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for listeners to find you out there? Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. For the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share. Anything you do and everything you do to help boost our signal, we appreciate International listeners, you know the deal. We're coming for you.
we really want to talk. We want to continue to build this international community that has flourished so much. We have yet another international guest today, which is great. We can add it to our map. We want to add you too. So, Anne, thank you again for being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon.